seeing people that kind of looked like me had created this camp, but also had created their own realities that were, they were happy. They were healthy. They were doing the things they really wanted to do. They were making an impact. They were making some change. And I felt called to do all of that. So within two weeks of camp, I quit my job, sold my car, and I moved downtown to be closer to where I thought the action was. Welcome to the Intuitively Aligned Podcast, a place for changemakers to cultivate their intuition and foster greater impact in their everyday lives. I am your guide, Sydney Bloom. Our guest for today's episode is Wilson Lin. Wilson is a multi-sensory producer. He's worked with numerous organizations from Wattpad to Canopy Growth, Tweed, Center for Social Innovation. He was a production manager for Luminato, broadcast manager for TEDx Toronto, and he is one of the co-chairs of Camp Reset and has been a production director with Reset for many years. Wilson, it is such a pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. This is great. Thank you so much for being here. Wilson is also the audio director for the Intuitively Aligned podcast, and I'm so excited that in today's episode, we can dig into some of these incredible conversations that you and I have been having behind the scenes. One of the topics that's come up for us a lot is the theme of becoming integrated in who we are. And even more specifically, figuring out how to integrate who we are in our past, where we're coming from, with who we are in the now. Yeah, I think for a long time, I don't think I trusted my gut. I was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants. And I think if that's what you're getting at in terms of like not not having that integration. Honestly, it was the conversation with you in late December when you decided you wanted to do this podcast that actually kind of opened my eyes how intuition can actually be integrated into like the daily life. And we've joked around this as well as like that woo-woo-ness of the almost too spiritual elements to intuition versus like it can just be a gut feeling. It doesn't need to be all of that incense. And there's nothing against this. Trust me. I I appreciate all these things as well. You come in for me? No, I'm just kidding. No, (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't need to be the incense burning and the crystals and all these things. It can also just be trusting yourself, trusting your heart, trusting your gut, trusting your head. And I don't practice anything other than like, does it feel good? If it doesn't feel good, why doesn't it feel good? And you kind of using both sides of my brain, right? Because that logic side and that technical side is very overbearing sometimes. And so now it's like trusting the softer, more intuitive, the more heart-centered side of it. And it, it really did come, it stemmed from a conversation with you and then intuition showing up in different parts of my life in different ways and trusting my intuition in those moments to say yes to certain things say no to certain things. And now it's kind of interesting because I'm experiencing it a little bit more. If I said yes to something without trusting my intuition all the way, Mm. and now I'm kind of wanting to say no to that project now. And so it's been interesting how that intuition has kind of been integrated in and how it's been working over the last little bit. Well, and that definitely speaks to the fact that it's not as if the process of trusting our intuition is ever complete. We're always growing. We're always learning how do we listen better how do we go deeper and so I'm not surprised that now you're getting into the nuances of it or right. actually that's a really good segue into asking you if you can talk to us a little bit about 
Can you tell us about your life? Like, tell us about your life before you found your intuition. Can we start by just having you share a little bit about who you are and your background? Yeah, I mean, title, work title wise, I would be some derivative of a producer or a director. Sometimes I'm a event producer. I'm quite frequently a technical director or technical producer for podcasts and events and concerts, conferences, retreats, kind of like a jack of all trades, a master of none, but still better than a master of one. And so I kind of do a little bit of a lot or a lot of a little. You are so modest. (laughs) I definitely think that you are a master of many, many trades and so many people are so blessed to work with you. Can you tell me a little bit about your upbringing? Yeah, so I was born and raised in in Toronto, in Scarborough. Grew up, so we're Hakka Chinese, so my family is Chinese, but we're from India, so we have a slightly different cultural background than more traditional Chinese folks. And growing up in Toronto, I think I, I was very fortunate to have a very diverse group of friends growing up and a very diverse group of friends as an adult as well. And I feel like I owe a lot to the city and I feel very fortunate for the friends that I have and the opportunities that I've been given because of Toronto, because of where I planted my, my roots. And, and I'm very grateful for, for my parents choosing to be here versus anywhere else they could have landed in the world. So I'm very grateful that this is where, where I am. Amazing. We've known each other for many years. Yeah, many years. And I had, from the very first time that we met, you struck me as a deeply spiritual person who sort of exudes this grounding, catalytic energy. And yet, in reality, in knowing you socially and being friends, you're not someone who ever talked about spirituality. I always just felt that grounding being in your presence. And so I would love to know if you growing up or in your young adulthood thought of yourself as spiritual or thought of yourself as someone who had an intuitive connection or whether that's just something that was experienced being in your presence. (laughs) I really appreciate you uh, describing me that way. That's, that's really, really kind. I've never thought of myself that way. And so it's nice to hear it from, you know, outside perspectives for sure. Growing up, I kind of feel like in hindsight and in the moments, I don't think I would have ever been like, oh, yeah, that's intuition or that's like anything spiritual. I would probably would have just like chalked it up to, oh, coincidence or good fortune, I guess, which is also a tangent of spirituality in, in a weird sense as well, right? To have good fortune and good luck. But my mind went to this and it's probably very weird and probably doesn't make sense in the context of a lot of listeners because... Well, maybe it does. Let's hear it. It's actually in like my athletic pursuits as a teenager. When I was my teenage years, school was whatever. I cared about playing sports and I cared about hanging out with my friends. And so with sports, sometimes you just kind of know what the next thing's going to be because you can kind of see the big picture. And then all of a sudden you're in the right place at the right time. And in different sports, sometimes you're scoring and in different times you're playing good defense or whatever. And so... That would be the most, that was the, for whatever reason, I have no idea why, but that was the thing that like flashed into my mind when you said intuition as a teenager. Just being, just knowing the right place and the right time to be doing certain things athletically and in certain sports as well. Everything else Mm -hmm. was just like, no, I just want to go hang with my friends. I just want to like go play sports with my friends. And that was really the only thing at that age. I think later in life, 
There are more moments of trusting my gut to make the choice to leave university to go to ad school rather than to stick out a degree that wouldn't have really made any impact in my life at this point. I think those were kind of critical, but... Would you tell the story of what happened after you went to Camp Reset? And maybe for our audience, you can share a little bit about what Reset is, especially now that you're one of the co-chairs of Reset, in addition (laughs) to being a contributor since the very beginning. Yeah, so Camp Reset is an adult digital detox summer camp where we basically take away all of our connected devices. We don't use our real names. We don't talk about work. And we connect on a kind of slightly different level than our normal day-to-day society in terms of we kind of generally talk about our real interests and we kind of connect on our our shared experiences and we create new memories and we're able to express ourselves more freely than I think we normally do in society, in the city and and, in general. And so what happened was I got very fortunate and got brought in to help participate in TEDx Toronto 2014, I want to say, is where I met Nagin, one of the founders of Camp Reset. And then later in 2015, she invited me to Camp Reset, where I went to Camp Reset in August of 2015. I've met all these fantastic humans, didn't know what they did for a living, but I knew these were just fantastic humans. And then after camp, when we started to actually come back to the city and actually realize who some of these people were, Funny enough, I had learned about one or two of these people from ad school because some of these people were like CEOs or the highest level of account directors at some of these ad agencies that I had been learning about. And I didn't realize that in the moment of meeting them by their nickname. But then when I realized what their real names were and what they did for a living, I was like, oh, wow, I've just met some of the people that I just learned about the five years previously. And combine that with meeting people who were entrepreneurs that were really making it and seeing that people that kind of looked like me had created this camp, but also had created their own realities that were, they were happy, they were healthy, they were doing the things they really wanted to do, they were making an impact, they were making some change at whatever scale that they were working at. And I felt called to do all of that. So within two weeks of camp, because I saw examples, multiple examples that were successful versions of what I wanted to see myself doing, I decided I quit my job, sold my car, and I moved downtown to kind of just be closer to the, to where I thought the action was. And while it paid off in the long run, I think in the short term, like immediately after, it was a bit of a, it's not something I would recommend everyone to do. Yeah, you're not saying but, go to camp and then come back and quit your life for something new. No, definitely not. Definitely not. But in the long run, it worked out for me. I was working in-house, doing marketing work, and not feeling super fulfilled. I was feeling quite bored and I had just started to make some video commercials. And so right after I got very fortunate, Darius Bashar took me under his wing for a little while and, and he's still a, he's still a good friend and a very good mentor for me. And he brought me in and, he, and I worked with him for a long time, kind of helping out with photo shoots and video shoots. And then I got to learn from the best in terms of all the creativity that he was able to, to kind of impart on me and, and the ability to how you set up a set, how you set up a photo shoot and what logistics you need to do ahead of time, what kind of planning you need to have. And one of the terms that I use today that doesn't necessarily stem exactly from, from conversations with him, but very much is that victory loves preparation and watching the way that Darius prepared really set me up for my success in the way that I prepare for work now. And I feel very fortunate that I was able to get brought in under really good mentors and and meet very good mentors through Reset and through 
through the collaborations that we've had over the years as well. Amazing. When you made that brave jump out of what sounds like a pretty stable job into really working more entrepreneurially and more creatively with different people in that field, did you have clarity that that was the area of impact you wanted to have in your career? I think what also came up at camp, and it has come up a few other times after camp with other folks during this this kind of transitional period, was whenever you feel scared, that is actually the moment you should be attempting. Like if there's a job offer or if there is a project that is scaring you or if there is a relationship that you may want to enter that is scaring you or a relationship you're trying to repair, whatever the case may be where you're feeling some fear, that is the moment you should actually be stepping into that fear because that is actually your gut saying that is the next level up. That is the next thing that you need to do to to achieve the next, next, next thing. I think what you're talking about is the fear that we can feel when we're holding ourselves back from following our Mm -hmm. heart. And I think that's really good advice to lean into that thing that's calling you that you're just not sure, you know, sometimes we're not sure if we're ready, but really maybe we'll never be ready and you just do it anyway. I almost was about to not make a podcast (laughs) and I was talking to my husband saying, You know, I've gotten advice from so many people about what equipment I should use, but I just don't feel settled and I don't feel settled on the process. Like, should I even do it? And Dan just said, well, why don't you just message Primetime, which is your camp name, right? And DJ Primetime. He's like, just ask if he has any advice about what mic you should buy. And by the end of that exchange, you had essentially offered to produce the podcast And I suddenly had hope that this dream would come into reality, which it is because now it's rolling, (laughs) right? So it's, it's funny how fear can be so, and we've talked about this in other episodes, right? Like with Alana, Mm -hmm. fear can be such an important part of our process in finding our intuitive alignment and separating what is maybe old conditioning or people pleasing versus our gut feeling saying, just do the thing. Mm-hmm. So back to your experience, you leaned into the fear and then what happened? So I leaned in, I quit. So the stability part that you had brought up in terms of like having a very stable income, having a job that was, you know, everything my parents would have dreamed for me was probably the job that I just decided to give up. And that caused a bit of a riff. And that's, you know, we, we've made up over the years and we're in a good place now, but that took a long time because I essentially did the things to make my parents happy to a certain point and then decided, nope, all these things are not for me, changed directions completely and kind of decided to become more of a combination of like an artist, a producer and a community support person. Community (laughs) leader. (laughs) You're a community leader, but you do it with modesty and grace and... I think there's actually an expression leading from behind yeah. where you just keep the group moving forward without feeling like an authoritative presence or anything like that. I will say I feel like I'm I'm surrounded by other leaders as well. Some that do lead from the front, which is absolutely necessary as well. Some that lead from the middle and then some of us that want to prefer to lead from from the back or from, from positions that don't require as much forward-facing visibility, so to speak. Although in in recent months and in recent years, 
it looks like you've been more comfortable stepping into more formal leadership roles. Is that true? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I've taken one of the co-chair roles this year for Camp Reset. And as my career has moved from, you know, coordinator and associate roles to manager and director roles, it kind of felt correct to go from a camp member to a staff member to a director's role to now taking the co-chair's role. And, and I think that's the the right kind of growth path that, that has really helped me along and and really taught me a lot over the years. I feel like if I, if I hadn't done it this way and I just stepped into a leadership role right away, it would feel inauthentic. Mm-hmm. But it feels like I've actually earned the right in this case. And, and it feels really good. I'm really excited for this year's camp. And I think we're going to have a fantastic year running it back from a lot of the learnings that we had from last year with a new group. And, and yeah, so we're, we're feeling really fantastic about that. And, and the work side is, is coming together the way that it's meant to for, for all the other projects that I work on. Was there anything that shifted for you around the alignment that you're in right now? Yeah, I actually want to credit that to representation mattering. Like I've now seen more and more Asians and South Asians, East Asians, BIPOC folks stepping into the spotlight and being recognized for their production and, and for their on-screen work and and music talents and artistry and productions. And so seeing that has kind of just given me something else to strive for, I guess, in a weird way. And so not that this was holding me back, but I think subconsciously it's like I've never seen someone like me doing the things that I'm doing. Mm. Someone that someone that looks like me, someone that grew up, you know, in Toronto that is BIPOC. The, now there are more examples. Like obviously in 2023, there are more examples than there have ever been. But I guess kind of what you're asking is what is the shift? Why has the shift happened? And yeah. I think that shift has really happened because of you know, some of the movies that have come out recently and some of the awards that people have won recently and some of the musical recognitions that people have won recently and, and seeing people hosting and seeing people being the the star of the show, so to speak, mm-hmm. that do look similar. Like, obviously, I don't look exactly like them. We're, we're not culturally all the same, but seeing people that kind of look and speak and have similar values as me doing these things has really felt like the right push for me to be like, okay, cool, I can do that too. No, I don't need, I don't necessarily want or need the spotlight to do it. But in certain cases like this podcast, it was like, absolute hell yes. Like, why wouldn't I want to do this? We're friends. I'm also producing this podcast. So it makes sense for me to share some of my story as well. And with camp, it just made sense that I kind of took that trajectory. And now the co-chair role makes sense. And with my other work, it makes sense that they would want me to come in at the, the levels that they're bringing me in on and that I can broadcast manage and that I can be a producer or I can be a live stream technical streamer and kind of take over the different roles where needed so I feel really good that this was kind of the journey and this was kind of the path and and the big switch was really just being able to see that representation in media and representation in the industries that I do work in and seeing that I'm not the only one anymore that that work in these industries. I've also been very fortunate to have fantastic BIPOC mentors and now that I get to see more representation it feels like we're all kind of lifting ourselves up together. I feel very fortunate that I get to stand on the shoulders of the people who have come before and I'm hoping for the next generation that they will feel like they have some strong shoulders to stand on to to continue to grow and to continue to bring up the representation. Absolutely. Absolutely. You had mentioned that when you chose the path that you're now on in your career, in a sense, you were breaking from some of the traditional expectations that you had Mm -hmm. felt growing up and in your family 
And I think you even said like in the dreams that your parents had had for you when they came to Canada, is that something you've come back to with them at all or that you've been able to address in recent times? Yes. And I really appreciate you bringing that up. It's been an interesting learning for me. I think what my parents had to go through to get here and now what I've kind of been able to kind of build on. And so when I say standing on shoulders, I also mean standing on their shoulders ultimately. So being Hakka Chinese, my family moved from China to India and then from India to Toronto. And it was kind of, you know, one not so great situation to another okay situation to then finally come to Toronto and then having to work really, really hard to provide us the opportunities that they provided us. And I realized their their goal for their life was stability and to have stability for themselves, stability for their children, to have that love and that ability to feed their families. And, you know, it, it was a different set of goals as immigrant families have, which is, you know, just give the kids the best opportunities that's possible. Absolutely. And so I'm very grateful. And I was able to express that gratefulness to them over the Lunar New Year this year. We sat down, we had a long conversation and I kind of ran through the, the story that they kind of, the story that I knew of their journey of coming from, you know, those transitions over the years from country to country and then coming to here, I wanted to make sure they understood that I was very grateful for all of what they were able to do. And I was very grateful for the opportunities that I was given because I gave up the stability, right? So I, mm -hmm. and they didn't completely understand. And that's why I need to have that conversation with them. At least I don't think they understood why I would give up a full-time job that paid really well in a field that I technically went to school for and studied for ultimately with advertising and marketing to give it all up to then just go pursue being at the time unknown, like wasn't for sure that I was going to be a producer. It wasn't for sure that I was going to be a director of any kind. There was no real specific job title that I could give them of mm -hmm. what I was going to do. And so for them, it probably felt very unstable and it was probably very scary for them as well to see their, you know, their only son. I do have a sister, but the only son to go take this path of unknown. So during that Lunar New Year time, I was able to have that conversation with them and express to them how successful I actually am and the projects that I've worked on with the talented people that I've worked with. And, and so they finally started to understand where I'm at currently and where, where I've already been over the last eight years or so of this career. And that they actually had that moment of they could f not just feel proud, but actually express that they were proud of me, which is very, in, in Asian households specifically, I'm going to lump all of us together here in this moment, but in Asian households, I feel like that's very rare, especially East Asian households. You know, they, sh they show their love by like cutting fruit for us after dinners and they don't really say the words very often. But in that moment, they did say the words of, of being proud of me and they did say the words of, uh, you know, the I love yous were expressed in that moment and, and changing that culture. You know, I hug them now every time I see them and we kind of, you know, end conversations with at least, we don't necessarily say I love you after every conversation anymore, but I think that moment of we know, like we, we definitely now know more so than we've ever known in the past. And so that moment was really impactful. And I think it stemmed from gratitude, but it also stemmed from a bit of intuition that I felt like they didn't understand what I was doing, what I do for a living. And so I just needed to find a way to convey that to them. And it took a long time to come to the process of how to do it and what the words were. And, and also just like the taking the time to be willing to sit down and explain it however long it takes to explain it so that they understood that the goals that they had for me were not the goals I had for myself and that the goals that I have 
are goals that I want them to support as well. And so it took a really long time. Like it took about four or five hours and we sat and I kind of explained, well, your goals for me are very traditional from the sense of where your lens is coming as an immigrant person mm-hmm. and then creating an immigrant family here in Toronto. So I see that your goals were stability, traditional family systems and and building a very, you know, the same thing that they built. And I said, that's not what I want. Here's what I want. I wanted to create impact. I wanted to create change. Uh, I wanted to work within productions and be able to create live shows and create live streams and, and create live events and concerts and work with artists and work with change makers and, and do the work that I'm doing currently. And so they started to understand that and then the moment they understood that I was actually doing it already and that I was going to continue to do this either way with or without support, um, they kind of started to understand, okay, so different goals, got it. Here are the goals, understanding it. Okay, great. Cool. How do we support you with that? And I said, really, there's not a lot in the work world that you can support me with because it's just different worlds, unfortunately. But the way that they can support me is to actually believe in my dreams. You know, if they're going to pray for something, which I don't know if they still pray anymore, but if they're going to pray for something, it's for me to do well in the things that I do and to continue to be successful in the work that I do. And so we've been able to shift that lens and shift that narrative of what they want versus what I want and actually make that a little bit more of a similar path rather than two very divergent paths. And so that's been really nice. And that that stems from the intuition and it also stems from, I think, taking that fearful step. I think there was a part of me that was afraid to lose family because we had lost more family in the last few years than we had over the course of my 35 plus years before that. I think it was just that fear made me want to step into it and actually explain like, this is what I do. This is who I work with. This is why I feel like I'm one of the best at what I do. And and so it requires them to understand that. And then now we have a better relationship because of it. And it took a bunch of years, right? Like I quit my job almost nine years ago and eight years in the industry of doing what I do now. I think they're just just starting to understand what I do and starting to appreciate and see the potential that I'm starting to fulfill as well. And so that connection has been really lovely over the last couple months that we've we've had that relationship kind of grow. I think that's beautiful. And certainly... When we look back on young adulthood and the different choices we make, you know, I don't know if it would have been realistic for the version of yourself that was taking those risks and leaving that job at that time to have the insight to be able to explain that you were able to take that risk because of the foundation that they gave you and because of that stability. I remember after you had that conversation, you and I connected And you had shared with me that it felt like that conversation with your parents was possible because you were also able to hold that loving container for them and to witness their dreams and their goals for you and to really honor it. And then from that place of honoring it to be able to say, actually, they hit it out of the ballpark. They gave you such a great upbringing that you had that sense of self and that confidence and that awareness, even if you maybe weren't able to articulate it when you were taking those brave risks in your 20s, but that you could make those changes to carve out a whole new path and a whole new legacy. That's actually a huge accomplishment for them and speaks to them in their love for you as parents, even if it was a couple of years of feeling a bit out of alignment because until we can articulate those things, 
it's not always fully understood, you know? Oh, absolutely. I think if there's anyone listening that is contemplating maybe doing this with their families as well, I think the one place that I would say I started with was gratitude and honoring their journey. I, like that was how I started that whole conversation. I sat them down. It was Lunar New Year, so it was Chinese New Year for us. And so it felt appropriate in that moment as well. We're talking about something like just whatever, like something about news or weather or something. And then I kind of pivoted the conversation to like, hey, so like we visited your home back in February 2018 or whatever. And look at this condo you're in now. And I just want to let you know everything that I do is possible only because of the journey that you've taken, both of you, like my parents, both of them. And explaining to them, you know, the poverty or the extreme poverty that they had to escape from, well, not them, but their their parents had to escape. And then what the poverty that they had to escape, my parents had to escape. So my grandparents and then my parents had to both kind of go through different levels of poverty in different countries. And then to come here and to be able to make not just a, a life for themselves, but a life for us that is so much greater than I could have ever, you know, thought of when you hear the story of going from country to country and changing from one place to another. And so the opportunities they provided me was where I started as well was my life looks different from theirs and will never look like theirs because they gave me all these opportunities because they overcame so much and because they, (laughs) they went from one job to another job to eventually, you know, my mom had a very long tenure at the job that she had and my dad did everything that he could from running a restaurant to doing manual labor work to, everything that he had to, to make sure that we had food and clothes and all the things that we needed. And so I wanted to make sure that they understood the gratitude that I had and that that they need to honor their own journey as well before any, any proudness that they should have for me. It was remember where they came from and how far they had to come to get where they were and that I was proud of them and that I was very grateful for what they did. And then I was able to kind of explain. So now because you did all of this, Unfortunately, my life won't look like the life that you want for me because you gave me all these opportunities to go pursue the things that I wanted to pursue so that I didn't need to stay in a nine to five. I could take that risk. And I felt the fear, obviously, when I took the risk, but it, it didn't feel as risky, mm-hmm. <laughs> for, lack of, for lack of a better word, because I knew I had a family that I could rely on if I needed it. Even in the moment, if it didn't feel like it, I, subconsciously, I knew yes. I could take that risk with support. Even if it wasn't verbal support in the moment, even if it wasn't a direct, yeah, go chase your dreams, it was very much like, even if I failed, I knew I could always go home. And so that was never a concern for me. So I wanted them to know all of that. And so if anyone is ever going to try to do this with their family, I think it needs to start with gratitude and it needs to start with honoring their, you know, the journeys that our parents had made and the sacrifices that they had to make to get us where we are. And it's different for all of us, you know, individually, as well as our, our families have had different journeys to get here, but it starts there. And then eventually it is the the conversation about what it is that we want today, what our goals are individually. And then hopefully uh, if the situation plays out like mine did, our parents understand that and then they want the best for us. And so now I, they want the best for me in what I do rather than the best for me in what their eyes are or in where their perspective was coming from. Yeah, that's the place we landed. I, th- I feel like we all felt really great about the healing in that moment and that connectivity that we all of a sudden felt with each other because they understood a bit more about what I do. I think the the big thing for me in that moment was they understood how grateful I was for their journey. Right. And now they could actually be more a part of my journey now. Having that conversation, you were able to really clarify for them, no, it's not a rejection. It's actually, like you said before, you 
being able to build on the opportunity that they've given you to make a choice that might actually be beyond their wildest dreams for you. But now you get to live that future that is like a possibility in a world of possibilities that would have been inconceivable to maybe your grandfather moving to India all those years ago. for For sure. I kind of said it in a different way, but the term that we've kind of used already here is, you know, standing on the shoulders of the people who came before us. And for me, that is my parents. And so they built the stability. They built the frame, the house that I get to then stand on top of and create the skyscraper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that is the analogy that I kind of presented to them in, in a combination of like English and Hakka mixed together. So <laughs> language wise, it, it makes more sense the way that I kind of positioned it. But ultimately, it is that I, I'm building on what they built for me. It just doesn't look like the same house that they built for me. Right. It's a different, it's a different container, ultimately. But uh, they understood that, and that was the most critical part, that they understood the reciprocation of, of gratitude and love and joy, but also that I needed them to support me in what I'm doing going forward. And, and now that I have that support, I feel like that has also shifted some of the, the conversations that I'm having. And, and as you were saying, that, that shift into leadership, because I feel like I have more support, I'll, and so I think because I feel like I have that support and because I feel like I have that pride mm-hmm. for my parents to be proud of me has given me more drive to to do more and actually even make them more proud. It's powerful. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. I think that's an amazing story. I think sometimes when we get disconnected from people, it's because Mm -hmm. maybe what we think we were talking about maybe didn't go deep enough and it feels like you were able to show up with so much love and authenticity that that conversation could really happen. I'm really glad you asked the question because I feel like this story might be able to help another generation or even in my generation of folks to have deep conversation with their parents. Not to say that a lot of people don't already do that. I think there are a lot of people that have fantastic relationships with their families, but I also know a lot of people who have had fractured or relationships that with their family that didn't or doesn't feel fully fulfilled. And I think that I'm hoping that that story is able to maybe inspire someone else to at least start the conversation with their family and start that conversation of why they chose a different path than a very stable, traditional path that maybe was carved out for them. Definitely. And, you know, one thing you're making me think about, which I haven't actually spent a lot of time reflecting on, is how important being supported by others and I'm not necessarily talking materially but even emotionally feeling understood feeling respected or loved by the people we have around us whether it's our our parents or our families or friends our chosen Mm -hmm. communities that support can go a really long way to help us strengthen our inner power strengthen our confidence that actually allows us to then listen to our intuition If we're feeling a little bit insecure, if we're feeling as if the world is judging us or the people who we look up to or whose respect we want are not seeing us in our authentic selves, creating the impact that we want to be doing, then it can really hinder us from actually being clear on what it is we want to do next. And I know when I started out cultivating my intuition in a really formal way or in a more structured way, 
the very first step was to stop second guessing myself. And I feel like so many times when we're not 100% confident, we second guess ourselves and then we're actually looking at ourselves through someone else's eyes. And so to have a loving, open conversation with the people who are important to us about what we're doing and why and to allow everybody to see each other in a really honest and authentic way, I think that can can be really transformative in terms of then feeling integrated and feeling like you can tap into your intuition. And I know we're reaching the end of our time, but I just wanted to ask, since you've had that conversation, do you feel like anything has shifted in terms of your own intuition or your own connection to your inner knowing, that compass that's guiding you to the impact you're creating in the world? I do. I do. I trust my gut more. So I trust my intuition more. But I also trust that the decisions I make are the right ones for me in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that if I have to change my mind, I am also okay to change my mind. Right. I feel like I've made some decisions out of a scarcity mindset, if I'm being honest. And I've mm-hmm. also made decisions out of a abundance mindset. And so I'm starting to trust the vocabulary that I, I use. I'm starting to understand and trust the the goals that I want for myself are the goals that I should have for myself. And I'm starting to trust that I'm fulfilling that potential. And I think that was a big one for me this year. Is While I've always felt like I've reached different goals that are on the path of my potential, I've never really reached to my full potential. And I think this year it's slowly starting to come together. And, and that because of the decisions I've made, that has all kind of come into alignment. And so that has been a very unique change for me. All to say, I think my trust in the intuition has kind of shifted from, oh, I'm not, like, I've just been lucky or I've been fortunate to, okay, I can create some of these things myself by making the decisions that I'm making rather than it just being a oh, chance and luck mm-hmm. and fortune. Yeah, or something outside of yourself. I think a lot of times yeah. people talk about, and even when we started working together, I remember you mentioned oh yeah, sometimes I'm open to the wooey stuff or something like that. Right. But I don't think it's about to be wooey or not. It's about like what I see is that you are so embodied with clarity mm-hmm. in yourself. And then that allows for you to have grace in your authority to create and to design and to execute in a way that does open up more possibility. I'm actually really grateful. This was a great conversation. I really feel like I am. Um, some of the stories that I've told today, I feel like I, I've i told you, you know these stories and like our friends really do know these stories. But for people who don't know me, especially young BIPOC folk, I hope that it's a story that they can relate to and a story that they can utilize to help share and to help heal anything that they have with their families and, and also a, a chance for them to maybe see an example of something that they want to be doing in their careers and something that they can aspire towards. And, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of people that look like me doing it. And so I'm, I'm hopefully someone that they can look at and be like, Hey, I want to go do what he's doing. And, and yeah, hopefully be that example. Thank you, Wilson. I think that's so beautifully said. And I feel very, very confident that you're opening up doors for, for those peers and for that next generation, 100%. I think the thing that stands out for me the most is how authentic you are and also how willing you've been to really integrate your whole self, to understand your ancestry, to 
look at the legacy created by those who came before you, to think with foresight about what you're creating in the world. And that's really important. And I think when we talk about cultivating intuition for impact, it's not always about having rituals that we follow, although rituals can be powerful. It's not always about, in fact, you know that I often will critique sometimes the way that language creates constructs. And so when we talk about intuition and spirituality, often there's all these constructs that for many people don't resonate. And what I love about your story is there's no constructs to it. You're not talking about spiritual labels. You're not claiming any specific kind of intuitive power. You're talking about listening to your gut. You're talking about getting straight with your authentic self and really having a heartfelt alignment in the fullness of your being. And I just, I love that so much. And I'm so grateful for you to be here as a role model and a leader to inspire others into that, into that space, because we need stories of real leaders who know how to listen to their gut and who know how to come from a place of love. And you embody that 1000%. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. To our audience, I want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe, share, or click the notification button on your podcast platform. For those listening on Apple Podcasts, I would be so grateful for a five-star rating and a written review. This will also make it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you want to connect with me more, please join me on Substack. I will be posting longer-form written pieces about my intuitive changemaker journey, as well as bonus audio content and having online discussions with the Intuitively Aligned podcast community. You can also find me in the Third Eye Library on Mighty Networks, through Instagram at Sydney Rebeck, yes, that's Sydney Rebeck without an A on the end, or through my website, www.sydneybloom.com. I also want to give a shout out to our podcast producer, Wilson Lynn, and I want to thank you again for joining me on this journey. I can't wait for you to hear the next episode.